random topics loosely followed. Welcome to the Perpetually Untitled Podcast. Now I can hear things. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. And I can hear you as well. Hooray. Hello, Carla. Hello, Matt. Did you see my new faucet? I did see your new faucet. Is there a story behind that? It looks exactly like the old faucet. It looks very similar to the old faucet. It does have like a slightly, looks like a hole in the handle. Yes, the handle looks slightly different now. And that's basically the only material difference other than that it doesn't spray the ceiling as well as downward. Which is... Is key, I think, for a plumbing installation. Yes. To... So we were gone for 10 days or something like yeah. that. Went uh, Thanksgiving down in Florida. Stopped on the way back in Chattanooga. So we have never really spent any time there. We always try oh, to find a lookout mountain. Decompress and, from family yeah. kind of a kind of a place. So we did that. And we get home. And this can be, we, we sometimes do a airing of tech grievances. Mm-hmm. So I open our garage door and the lights in our garage are flashing at like five times a second, like Like, party mode. Okay. Like that's not right. And it's affecting our ability to unpack the vehicle, right? Because these are the garage lights and the garage is where we keep the vehicle. So it's like strobing almost. Yeah. So it's a smart switch, right? And I think the smart switch failed in some capacity. Okay. So I had to like, I had to turn the power off take out the smart switch and like hardwire the lights on basically. So our garage lights have been on for like five days now. Uh, (laughs) I mean, they're LED. It doesn't really, you know. Yeah. But until like the replacement switch arrives later this week, they're just permanently on. And then I go in and I turn on the faucet and it's like spraying everywhere. Like the hose. It's one of those faucets you can pull it down and like spray. It's been getting worse and worse over time. It's been here at least as long as we've had you had the house, but it's a nice one. It's a good brand. So say like, like, I don't think of faucets as something that wear out. This one did, <laughs> um, <laughs> at a very inopportune time. So I don't know. It just seems like when house things happen, they all kind of seem to happen in threes. I guess I I'm say, just waiting I, for that third. It, it's not quite that extreme, but we went down right before Thanksgiving to spend time with, with Grandma and my my nibblings. And we watched Home Alone, and that is like reminding me of like like a booby trap situation. It's not quite as bad the as yeah. the Wet Bandits, but yes, very much like that, only unintentional. So oh. had to do an emergency replace the faucet. So are you going to get like another smart switch for the garage? Is that the plan? Yep, just same model, same replacement. Because it's, you've it's learned nothing way. from this experience. <laughs> <laughs> of all of the things that I. That are quote unquote smart. Yeah. That's the one I like the most because the light on the garage door opener itself is not very bright. Okay. And I have an automation that quite simply when the garage door opens, turn the actual garage lights on as okay. well. Okay. So that's one I'm not really willing to get rid of. Hey. So, and it's been working fine for seven years since we put it in. So once over seven years having to screw with it, it's fine. If something else gave out, I would have to think about is even worth replacing. But that's one of my top automations is yeah. having lots of light in the garage when we get home versus like one dim ass light well, bulb. Well, did I ever tell you my my creepy, creepy garage story? I don't I think mean, I your garage, have. Well, it's your not garage my is- garage. So in high school, I babysat for my favorite English teacher. At the time, he had 
mm, three kids and now he has a fourth or he just had the two kids. He's had more since I graduated. Um, and it was like a Friday night. They have an attached garage and my first time babysitting for them. He's giving me a tour of the house. Here are the kids rooms. Here's where their bedtime is. They were little like preschool toddler age. And he told me that if you hear anything weird, don't worry about it. It's just the <laughs> ghost. Because no big the thing. previous resident of the house was murdered in the house. In Oh. So she had run, I want to say like a hair salon or a nail salon or something, and was kind of known for taking the register home, like the, the proceeds, and putting them in a safe in her house. And so as she was coming in the garage, she didn't see there was a person on foot that had been waiting outside for her. So before the garage door could come back down, this person snuck in and basically like held her at knife point and forced her all the way through the house, all the way up the stairs to open the safe. And then he stabbed her. And uh, and I've always kind of wondered, like, how much of this was my teacher just kind of messing with me? Yeah. But no, I mean, there was a homicide in the house. And so I have no reason to doubt yeah, the rest of his details. But you didn't get to interact with the ghost. I did not. However, like this is, I mean, I, was, I wasn't driving yet. I was high school. Since then, I am like very cautious about you know, leaving a garage, especially if it's a, an automatic garage door opener, if it's an attached garage checking my mirrors as I pull in like is anyone behind me and then as I get out I'll look like under the car and stuff <laughs> <laughs> to the same now my garage is not attached and so right. it's less of a thing but yeah that's my creepy garage story <laughs> so it's good and I applaud you for having lots of light in your garage because I don't want you to get stabbed guy. and the <laughs> the other thing is so the lights turn on and then they turn off like 30 minutes later. But what would happen sometimes is I would still be in the garage Oh. and the lights would turn off on me. So now I have it so they turn off for like a second and then turn on again for like another couple minutes. So I know that they're about to go they're off. F- giving you the, the warning. Like the warning, right. Theaters. Right, exactly. <laughs> like you're, you got three minutes to, to. Well, you could get a motion sensor. I could. Those cost money. Yeah. And it's. Working just fine the way it is. Okay. There's been, I think, three times in the years since I've put this in that I've actually been in the garage still okay. and be like, oh, it's fine. Right. Except for when it went into disco mode a couple days ago. <laughs> and you'll see our house is chaos because we're still unpacking for our last trip and simultaneously packing for our next trip because we leave again in a few days oh. to go out to my workplace's headquarters. Okay. So it's been kind of busy. Yeah. Are you like you're going for work? Going for work, but Dana's tagging along this time. Because she works remote. She works for remote and she's never been to Utah. Okay. So she's trying to do like check off all 50. I think it was originally before she's 30 and now it's, you know. before she kicks Just arbitrary. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm calling it 50 before 50 because I think we'll get there before 50. That and that's seems, a nice, you, It has you know, some symmetry to it. It has yeah. some symmetry to it, yeah. So we're doing 50 to 50. I've been there a couple times before. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she has an opportunity to check something yeah. off the list. And it's very pretty out there. So we'll yeah. see some scenery and stuff like that. We have a voicemail. Yay! 
Yeah, would you like to listen to the voice? I would now? love to listen to a voicemail. Right, let's do this. Matt and Carla, I am indeed a winter person, mainly because I hate summer and I hate the heat and I hate bugs. So this is my time for you to get out there. But I'm a little bit of a larger guy. So the cold doesn't bother me as much. Actually, I feel great out there. I'll be outside with 20 degrees and a pair of shorts. I love it. Plus, this is also the time of year I get to smoke meat. And not like barbecue. I'm talking like bacon. <laughs> I got two whole pork bellies right now sitting in my freezer from a pig. They're just waiting to get baconated right now. So hopefully I get that in a couple weeks here. And it's great. I don't have bugs. Temperatures are easier to control a little bit there with my smokers. Um, I got insulated and it's good. So, yeah, I'm a winter person all around. Not so much for the holidays, the white stuff there, because it's, well, it's convenient for me and I like it. So that's about as much as I can say. So, But I love the topic. Great episode. And can't wait to hear the next one. Thanks. Yay. Yay. Well, that's our friend up north who I think is called three times now. Well, and he's the one that told you he's game for the polar bear plunge. He is. So this makes some so sense. So this is, yep, I was trying to forget about that. You know, and I'm, I'm with him on the bugs. I remember... It was tongue in cheek, but also a little serious. So, again, as a high school student, you know, I had lots of options. Academically, I did really well. So, hey, Carla, where do you want to go to college? And I would joke, it has to be above the Mason-Dixon. And people would look at me funny. I said, I need a killing frost every year. (laughs) I have seen what you people call, quote unquote, palmetto bugs. And it's a roach. You can't fool me. So, so yeah, I, I... the the bugs up north are inconvenient, but they are nowhere near. Like, I don't have to check my shoes for scorpions or anything crazy like that. Right, right. So. Yes, yeah. Um, I'm I'm with him on the bugs. Well, thank yeah, you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for calling and thank you for confirming that there's at least one person out there that is a He's a Elsa. The cold never bothered him anyway. <laughs> Sing it. No. No, don't. <laughs> We don't need the mouse to sue us. Come on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to hear if there are any other winter people out there or like point counterpoint two and six five zero five zero one eight zero. And uh, let us know. We want to hear from everybody. Um, shall we shall we dig in? Shall we pick sure, a topic? Let's pick a topic. Let's do it. Science. Science. <laughs> another opportunity for the uh, the echo effect. The voice reverb, to... <laughs> yes. It's another very broad very. topic. Uh, you're not, you don't want to veto it, do you? No. Okay. No. Okay. I, I feel like we got a little bit too free with the vetoes for a while. I, I stand us. by having us. vetoed hotels last time, though. But Fair. It ended up being a decent episode. Yeah. I was... As I was editing no. it, I was like, this is not terrible. Yeah, but no, I like science. So okay. do you have a specific branch of science that is your favorite? Um, Computers. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I would, I, would, I would say like space and computers would definitely be up there. I certainly mm. have branches of science that are my least favorite. Like in school, like chemistry was by far... My really? worst topic. Pretty much every science topic in school, because in, when we were in school, and I, I don't know if it's still the same or not, but all science topics were basically like life sciences and chemistry and yeah. stuff like that that I did not do well at. It wasn't until I got to college and we started to dig into physics that it's like, okay, this is something I could be good at. This is something that I could get into. I wish we had more of those type of things or more 
STEM type stuff when I was in school, right? Because they're really, in terms of like, we didn't have robotics. We didn't have, no. our computer classes were very. It was typing. Very, yeah, I mean, exactly. it wasn't it, really a computer Typing classes. and word processing. Yeah. You know, like how to. How to have an office job, basically, right. was kind of what they were. Uh, and, of course, it was like DOS-based, which was old <laughs> at the time, right? Yeah, it's yeah. ancient by now. I know. Like, my school was larger, and we did have physics, and we did have anatomy and physiology. And I think we had, like, Chem 1, Chem 2, maybe. I liked chemistry because it was very orderly. And you could learn lots of interesting things and, and chemistry is in everything. However, it's not squishy or smelly like bio could be, like the life sciences stuff. I didn't mind in theory learning about life sciences, but like, I don't like the smells. <laughs> it was gross. Did, did you have to dissect anything? Oh, yes. So high school... Ironically, like the fetal pig, which was the most complex thing that we dissected, didn't bother me so much. But we had dissected like a sea star, a starfish sea star. Mm -hmm. And that was just gross. Like it smelled just terrible to me, like this eldritch Cthulhu-esque thing rotting on my dissection tray. I went to a teeny tiny parochial school up through eighth grade and we dissected a chicken wing. <laughs> it was raw. Or it might have been. It might have been. Do we do a wing and a thigh? It was definitely lots of chicken. And there was yeah. definitely a sense of like someone just went to the grocer. <laughs> just give me and, all your. And they were. Give me the rejects. Quote unquote scalpels that were about as sharp as a butter knife. Yeah. And we were just looking for like the bone structure. And yeah. If we could find a blood vessel, that kind of stuff. We had to do a frog. Mm, that's very and iconic. The same situation where. The scalpel was like, was probably sharp in 1972 yeah. when, they, when they acquired them. So it's really less that you're dissecting and more like mutilating. Mutilating. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. And the person I was paired with was like, you, you, you. And oh. I, I mean, I was kind of the same That's thing. So but it's classic. Like, like I, right. I mean, it's, it's very stereotypical. Like I had to do all of the work because the other person was very. Well, I know you're very queasy about I, like, I did not like it blood and any kind of. It like, wasn't overly. I mean, it was more slimy than bloody. Okay. I think. So it was, I mean, I didn't enjoy it at all. I was just waiting. Like I did the bare minimum because I think you had to carve out certain things and put them on a. And label them. Like, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did like. The bare, bare minimum. Gotcha. And I disliked every single moment of it. Through a long chain of events that is kind of boring to relate, so I won't, I ended up taking the general like nine science my freshman year instead of going the traditional honor kid route. And part of what we did was meteorology and the weather. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. That and now, now that you're flying, I'm yes, sure you're really paying say, attention to that. I actually... In late high school, maybe kind of early college, where I still maybe had a little ability to kind of change a little bit. I thought about meteorology. Yeah. Because I think it's super fascinating. I hear there's an opening in Metro Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> For those not listening, yeah. we, we, I, one of our our big anchors has landed Weather herself in hot has, water. Is, is, uh, and she's no longer on the air. Yes. But you're right about the flying thing. A big part of studying for your pilot's license is essentially basic meteorology. You know, uh, you have well, to understand weather patterns and clouds and 
and, and, and all sorts of things. And it was certainly difficult for me, but thankfully you really, the thing they drill you more on is how to read and interpret what a weather report means. And they're mm-hmm. specific in the seventies and way back in the day, they can only condense information into like a teletype because it mm-hmm. costs per character basically. So even today, the way weather information is communicated for aviation is a very abbreviated format. They're I feel like metars. I would splurge <laughs> to get more detail. It, well, it's just the systems, apparently, it's what everybody knows. And the systems, even though they can do more now, that's still how they communicate with mm. each other. Like, my my aviation weather app can interpret it for you. Like, it'll break it out. And it's not that difficult to read, but they still teach you how to look at, you know, how to read a METAR. And okay. basically, it's current weather, current temperature, cloud cover, things like that. And there's TAFs and there's MOS and there's a lot of stuff you have to know about weather. But it reinforced that I could not be a meteorologist because I, my brain was just barely able oh, gosh. to understand. Because like I said, it's a lot about like reading the weather, but there's also understanding kind of the physics behind the weather. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating, but like it just never clicks for me. Gotcha. So I, we were at a... I think I talked about in a previous episode, a big air show that's down in Florida last year. And I attended a couple like weather classes. One was just about clouds. It's an hour long class about clouds. And she was talking a million miles a minute and still could not get through all the material huh. in an hour. And that's just one of many topics. It's, uh, but yeah, I'm rambling. No, Meteorology is fascinating. Yeah. I barely understand it. Yeah. And I wish I, I, I wish I could be a meteorologist because I think it's a fascinating field. Yeah. Well, and I, Living in the Cleveland area, you know, there's a lot of emphasis this time of year on like lake effect snow. And so I did the whole like reading all the, the, you know, the, this article leads to this article leads to this article about what causes lake effect snow, why the bands are where they are, how the geography of the area impacts it. That's another area of science I always liked was geography, geography, geology. I guess geography is more of like a social science, but the geology. I took that in college as my lab science instead of bio or something more normal. I took geology. That's actually how I got to really know our friend of the podcast, Ms. Environmentalist Sarah, is we were in biology, or not biology, but I just said it, geology together. We took geology and uh, studied about the different types of rock and their hardness and their cleavage, which is always <laughs> funny. Would, right. It's always funny. Right. It just means like how the rocks break, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did a little bit of GPS work. We did a little bit about plate tectonics and the different kinds of faults that exist. It was just, it's really fascinating. I don't know. I like not squishy sciences, apparently. Yes. But also something practical. Like physics, what I have taken is interesting and enjoyable. And I just, I can't get fired up about it for whatever reason. And I think it's because at a certain point, like studying physics is either theoretical or it's engineering. Right. You know, and I, I like the yeah. engineering part of it. That's yeah. very practical and hands-on. If it's just theoretical, like that's just more math. <laughs> theoretical <laughs> physics makes my brain absolutely right, melt. But right. yeah, the more engineering side of it, the more practical side of physics, it's like, it's the language of the universe, you yeah. know? And that, I think that's just fascinating. And again, that's another field that I, 
could have seen myself getting into other than like the path I took, I knew what my options are. I've been going, you know, and meteorology, you, you know what your options are. Physics, I just don't know what I would do with that, you know? I don't know either, man. Yeah. Like we have our friend, environmentalist Sarah, who's like working in science. And then I've got a couple of friends who are either working for a local hospital system or a local university system that are like in the sciences, whether it's like one of them is an AIDS, was an AIDS researcher for a while. That was the grant that his lab was working off of. So there are careers out there, but right, like outside of academia, what does a physicist right. I I don't know. There's probably stuff like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I was always surprised. I have a friend who's got his uh, PhD in the statistical analysis portion of psychology. And so it's a lot of, it's very data driven. Mm -hmm. And he does not anymore, but worked for a long time for one of the big automakers trying to determine patterns in car purchasing. Patterns in car purchasing. Yeah, like the kind of person who has this income level or this kind of job or lives in this kind of, like, what are the patterns? How can we identify who's likely to buy our car? It's amazing how data-driven things are. And it's like, I know data analysis is kind of a emerging field, but it's also been around for a long time. I mean, marketers have been using data to figure out which demographics to get. But it's amazing how much of that stuff goes on it's a data-driven society. Every they're collecting so much, and there's so we many interesting things. We collect so much more data. Yeah, I even think- though it's because sometimes it's even we don't know. Like we talked in a previous episode about how insurance rates can look at things like your you know, zip you, code and well, and like you signed up for a uh, thing at your grocery store where you scan your barcode, and insurers buy that information and can mm-hmm. can correlate it, right? So, <laughs> data is kind of a scary science to me. Yeah. I, I I say no to all of that, by the way. Oh, you don't sign up for any? No. I don't want my insurance rates based on what kind of potato chips I eat. So no thanks. So we've talked a lot about like the, the more hard sciences, but like social science wise, you know, I mentioned geography, but I have friends who are into anthropology and that's kind of fun. And anthropology and archaeology and there's actually a lot of active activity in this region so we don't think of ohio as like the hotbed for archaeology (laughs) or anything like that so you're not gonna be digging up a t-rex you know out in cuyahoga valley but we do have some cool fossil fish and then we for the paleontologists and then we do have a lot of like indigenous artifacts in the area so whether they're weapons whether it's pieces of clothing whether it's you know signs of habitation that's kind of a fun science. Like you feel like you're solving a mystery. Yeah. Well, and I just I just watched, you know, me and YouTube. I just watched I a really interesting YouTube video Shocked. about um like fossils and such. So yeah. apparently in the United States, a landowner essentially owns any fossils on their land. So mm-hmm. if they, they discover a T Rex, it belongs to whoever owns that land. Dinosaur skeletons, dinos- you know, depending on how intact they are and what percentage complete and stuff like that, are worth millions and millions mm-hmm. of dollars. And I think the record T-Rex was in the tens of millions of dollars. All of these big landowners kind of out west where fossils are more well known to be discovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the Dakotas. Yeah, and- they'll 
they'll say no to researchers because they'll wait for somebody who come like a because there's a lot of private companies that do this now, private organizations, and they're waiting for them to come along mm. to do the research because they want to cash out versus a research organization. In many cases, they are purchased by museums, and the museums do open up access to you know research organizations. But it doesn't have to be the case, and in many cases, it's not the case. You know, yeah. it could somebody rich could buy a T-Rex and put it in their, con- their vacation condo. Uh, I believe that is what Nick Cage did. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's one. <laughs> I think that's one of the examples they used was, I don't remember if it was Nick Cage, but somebody famous did that. And then it, it, it eliminates the ability for researchers to actually be able to inspect and interact mm-hmm. with this these these artifacts. Well, and what kind of information is being lost by observing it in situ? Capitalism, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I would have to sit and think about what I would prefer to see in that situation. Because on the one hand, like if you're a farmer, you know, and this is, this is your retirement all of a sudden, like all yeah. of the, this is I, I am life not, changing yes. for yourself and your entire family. I am not against getting paid. And I know that I personally would opt for a situation where whatever was discovered on my land would be available for research purposes. Right. Yeah. But, at the same time, I, you're right, where, where's the line? I like, don't know. Well, I'm, it, it makes me wonder, like, should company, like, should a for-profit research company like that exist? Well. Should we be giving more grant money to university programs? Yes. <laughs> I mean, your family, um, I think at one point was affected by eminent domain, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, to build the highway system. To build, yeah. But so to build a highway system, they can say... We need your land, yep. Yep. but to protect and to protect and archive a priceless, you know, historical artifact, right. they can't say that. So that is kind of an interesting juxtaposition, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had the conversation I know before of like things that exist in our society now because they have existed for a long time, mm-hmm. like public libraries, for instance, that if you didn't have them and tried to introduce them today would never, never be brought into existence. Like, that's socialism, man. Now, are there any, I need to think of the answer to this myself before I ask it. Yeah. Are there any major scientific discoveries that you can think of that just blew your mind? Ooh, that's a good question. I, shoot, what was I just watching? We didn't discover plate tectonics until like the 19... what the 1960s Mm -hmm, mm 70s like you look at a globe it seems so obvious um it it blows my mind that it took that long to make that discovery i guess yeah um i think for me the the constantly evolving science of medicine is incredible i was talking with a coworker today whose grandson is now two and he is fine, but was born with a heart defect. And so at the age of like two and a half months, so like a 10 pound bitty bitty baby went in for open heart surgery. And when you are operating on a baby that small, they actually take the heart out of the chest. Really? And the baby's on like a bypass machine. No kidding. I didn't know that. To keep the blood circulating. And like, it's tiny, this little heart will fit in the palm of your hand. And they repaired the hole and then put it back in his chest. 
like a 10 pound baby. I don't know if you've held a baby recently. That's tiny. Like yeah. it's a size of cats. You've got cats. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That is so like, incredible. The science, like it's not necessarily one specific medical breakthrough, but just like how we are constantly pushing medicine is really cool to me. Apparently, another friend who doesn't listen to the podcast, but has been <laughs> on the podcast before, my buddy Shannon. Yeah. He says, you know, you can watch medical operations like on YouTube or like there's they're like they're available to watch. I'm like, I will literally never do that. He says they're fascinating because you get a view into what the human body looks like on the inside outside of like the textbook version. Right. I'm like, yeah, don't care. Do not want to see that. No, literally pass out. I think, man. So on the one hand, I'm very curious because there's no smells through YouTube. Mm -hmm, So like mm -hmm. that's, that's a big plus in my book. Like, I think it would, it would probably depend on what it is. Like, I would be okay maybe with watching something that was like an abdominal surgery, but maybe not like open heart surgery or something. Like, I don't think I have it in me to watch someone's ribs get cracked open. I definitely do not. <laughs> I can't even think about I, it yeah. without getting Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. let's change that topic. I don't want you to faint while we're yeah. recording a podcast. Oh, well, to answer my own question, uh, I, I'm not going to Is it walking one. on the moon? <laughs> no <laughs> i mean first of all i am fascinated by the space race in that whole yeah. era and um the sad story of uh like like the dog oh and, there's a comic know, book that made me cry and oh. uh just the whole i mean the whole history of the space race and space exploration in general but more recently more you know more modern thinking like they know there is essentially water on the moon and they know that there was water on mars and the various things they've done to kind of analyze this improve this like in one case they literally smashed a high speed like a, a probe like a projectile into the moon and then had a probe behind it to kind of collect all of the dust mm-hmm. that came up from it this was several years ago that's just so fascinating to me and this is still an ongoing thing we're going to learn more and more about the moon and mars and we're going to potentially have people on the moon in kind of short order although who knows what future you know, mm-hmm. administrations will do. Uh, yeah, the, I don't the politics talk, behind yes, all the of politics that behind is it. tricky. Yep. But, I mean, I will say it has been a kind of golden age for space exploration over the past several years um, under both administrations. So I hope that's a sign that we can see a continued investment in that. But I don't know. You never know. But I think it's fascinating, and yeah. I just hope we continue to send robots to Mars and people to the moon and learn new things about the universe, you know, in our neighborhood and beyond. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, science. <laughs> what else can yeah, we talk about? <laughs> now, were you good at science as a student? No. Really? No. I wasn't good at anything. I I, oh. I was a very average student. Like I said, most of, my, most of the science that I had in school... I think I did okay at physics in college, mm-hmm. and I kind of did the bare minimum of of sciencey type stuff until I moved into more of the engineering stuff that was relevant to my. So I have to tell a story because my mom is a, a devoted listener yeah. to this podcast, and she already knows what story this is going to be. And this is the story of myself and my brother with the science fair. So we had to do science. <laughs> I had to do science fair in seventh and eighth See, grade. And then I, I had to do it again in high school. I would have loved to have done a science fair. We never did that. Oh, no. So I was an excellent student. 
I am bright. I am good at remembering facts just long enough to be tested on them. But where I fell down was, let's give this 12 slash 13 year old a long, weeks long project with lots of parts. And we'll just give her time every day and she'll figure it out. She'll appropriately divide up the tasks and use her time wisely. No, I read a book. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, and it was very like uninspired. Like the school that I went to was very clear that most of these science fair projects were really the parents doing them. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of things like, you know, that the kids weren't doing. Yeah. Mine and my brothers both. So I was in eighth grade. My brother was in seventh grade. uh, We're all us. And you were supposed to do things like turn in note cards at a specific date and then turn in an outline at a specific date. And we both just let those deadlines whoosh right (laughs) past us. And so my mom, despairing of her two very bright children who were both procrastinating unbelievably, told us that for every day that our, and I think it was the final version, like the final paper for our science fair, for every day that it was going to be overdue, she would delay Christmas by a day. <laughs> Santa's going to wait. Yep. It was over a month. Wow. Uh, she had your Christmas in like January? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think it was probably... <laughs> and she stuck to it. She stuck to it. I think it was harder on her than it was on us. And she volunteered at the school even after we were both gone. And apparently like the nuns whispered about how mean she was <laughs> which you've met my mom she's mrs santa claus yeah like this is literally mrs claus right right doesn't need to dress the part could no. literally sit next she just to the looks like mrs claus yes. and everybody would buy it yeah yep yep so so that was like science fair to me it was <laughs> in retrospect so obvious that hey like hey maybe this kid has adhd <laughs> like well, what was your what was your thing what was the oh gosh so my Seventh grade year was something about acid rain. Remember when acid rain was the oh, big yeah, rage? yeah, yeah, And so I was trying to get seeds to germinate with different levels of acidity, um, and they all molded. <laughs> so I ended up with no seeds and nothing grew because yeah. whatever. I think they were mm-hmm. with lima beans or something. And then eighth grade was positive or negative reinforcement on your ability to like play games so like if i cheer you on do you play oh better? interesting if you, yeah that's yes. a cool one it, yeah so like i right researched up my, stacy's probably listening going yeah that's her whole field <laughs> yeah i researched lots of different behavioral things and so that's when i learned about like pavlov and his dogs i i loved doing the research i just didn't want to write it or present it at all <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'll just read forever. See, that's the part. I mean, that's why, even though I'm not great at science, at least we'll say academically in school, mm-hmm. um, I would have loved doing a science fair because I love getting to know something, getting like becoming like a, at least a short term expert on it and then presenting it. I okay. do enjoy so, that part. But I would also be mega procrastinator. <laughs> I'd be up like the night before right. putting it together. Right. I'd still probably do pretty well on it, though. I just can't plan stuff in advance like that. I got to do it. No. And this is, this was big enough. Cause that, I mean, I started doing all nighters in like fifth grade. So it was too big to do the night before. And so then I just didn't. <laughs> now is kiddo, we've talked a bit about her interests. What are her science? Kiddo, kiddo likes biology. It helps that you know, Rob 
is very into science in general. And then my father-in-law is a retired high school biology teacher. So we have a microscope, like a decent microscope in the house and slides, all sorts of different things. We have are the, fossils. Did you like, are the slide, do the slides have things you acquired yourself or are they like pre-made, both. a bit of a mix of both? It, it came with pre-made. And then um, as it turns out, I give good cheek cell. <laughs> and so we swab the inside of my cheek. <laughs> um, and, and, and like looking at my hair strand yeah. versus one of her hair strands yeah. versus one of Rob's was interesting. Well, that's cool that she's interested in that. And yeah. It's nice to have the access to actual physical representations of the world that people who are interested in science have now. Both from like, you know, uh, you can get a great microscope for probably a pretty reasonable price. Uh, it was from Grandpa, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, same with the telescope. You can get a mm-hmm. great telescope mm-hmm. for a reasonable price. Robotics is accessible now. And then you've got things like Mark Rober's Crunch Lab thing. Like there's so yeah. many ways that well, like, we, so- didn't ha- we didn't really have. Like you could buy a microscope kit, but it was garbage. Yeah. There's, uh, we talked, I think, briefly in our museums episode in Columbus, Ohio, COSI, mm-hmm. which is based a, a kid-focused science museum. They do kits, and so we actually just picked up the COSI kit, and this one's all about water. I think they do them either once a year or once every six months. We get the last one from our local library. I felt very good about that. And so it comes with a bunch of different experiments in it. And so we've done, I think, just a couple of them. But yeah, it's pretty cool. And you're right, we did not have that. As kids, it was go out and play with sticks and drink from the hose. And- right. <laughs> now, if you were going back and you had to pick a you had to pick a science based career Oof. to go into. Now, I mentioned I think mine would probably be meteorology because yeah. I think it's fascinating. I think um, astrophysicist would be kind of cool <laughs> as well. Although, again, if I am unqualified for meteorology, I am deeply unqualified for astrophysics but yeah. i think those would probably be my two so that's a really interesting question because so my dad did have his master's in chemistry mm-hmm. and chose to not use it and chose instead to work outdoors which work i in construction. think is not uncommon i have no idea i mean in the 60s to get a master's and then not mm-hmm. use it yeah yeah that's a good point um i was good at pretty much any subject in school that I tried, you know, as long as it wasn't a long-term project. (laughs) Um, So I liked computer science. I really loved chemistry. I cannot think of a career that I would be happy in using one of those. Like I enjoy teaching. Mm -hmm. So maybe a science teacher. Yeah. I don't think that I would want to actually go into medicine. Like I said, the smells. Yeah. Gross. I I mean, I have friends who are nurses and doctors, and I love them for it because we need it. It's necessary, but not for me. Yeah. Yeah. The, st- <laughs> the stuff that nurses and doctors do without thinking about that, I would absolutely yeah. have to like psych myself up to even be I think in the presence I could of. really enjoy maybe doing like science entertainment. Like if you've ever, it's a Netflix show called Emily's Wonder Lab. And they talk about also different science things. Or you mentioned Mark Rober, the YouTuber. Like he had a career at NASA before mm-hmm. that. But science education, entertainment, I could see doing. Not necessarily for any one given discipline. But 
I I would wither and die in a research lab. Well, that's the funny thing and, to me is like every field, every, I mean, I guess I'm technically in an engineering field, but I don't you, know that I- You definitely qualify as STEM, yeah. Yeah, um, but I don't, I mean, I'm definitely not a scientist, right? I'm definitely mm-hmm. not in the sciences, I would say. Every science that I have any sort of personal interest in, I would not be good at professionally. Like, I think botany is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I cannot keep anything green alive for the life of me, except for things like- I have so many like, plants. Do you need more plants? I'll just kill I them. I can give you they plants. Will, they I'll will give you more Unless they're succulents, then those seem to, because no. I, I can feed them when I remember and- I, <laughs> I, I'm going to get you some, some plants. Side stupid story. I, I was talking about how I kill plants all the time. I was like, yeah. I always forget to rain them. <laughs> or make them rain or something like that. <laughs> make it rain. Yeah. <laughs> I forget to give him rain. You forgot how to word. I forgot how to word as well. Yes. In that, in that moment. Oh no. Yeah. Science is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What else you got? I've kind of. Well, so there's a big scientific event coming up in a few months here in Cleveland. Do you have April 8th at 315 on your calendar? Oh Yeah. Um, so Cleveland- I've like, I've, I've actually been debating, like, how can I make money out of this? Cause we're literally, <laughs> we are literally smack dab in we are the middle on the path of, of the middle yeah. of the solar We're eclipse. in the middle of the middle. Like you look at that line and it's like, yeah. wow, that's basically right over my backyard. Yeah. That's kiddo's spring break. And so like the week leading up to it. So we, if we go away anywhere, we're going to make sure that we're back well in time to avoid crazily inflated airline prices. Yeah. And like all of the schools have closed for that day because we're going to be dark. Oh gosh. It's like mm-hmm. half an hour. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Well, we are on the path of totality for the solar eclipse. I think we did briefly talk about this in a previous episode, yeah. but it's definitely in line with the topic now. And there's a couple interesting things about this. First of all, like, the airport that I keep my airplane at, which, side note, today is two-year anniversary of me buying my oh, airplane. Oh, happy plane anniversary. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, but the airport basically communicated, hey, we're already booked on people planning to fly in to the yeah. airport and needing to basically keep their plane there overnight. Like, this is months away, and the, air- yeah. the airport never gets full, and they're already saying, like, we have... I think over 80 reservations already, people flying in wow. to my little airport wow. just for, just to watch this. And Ohio State's park system, the Ohio State Park sent out an email saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is the day that reservations open up. They're putting a minimum in, right? Like normally mm-hmm. you can cancel with a week notice or something like that, but they've extended for that one day. Like you need to book a certain number of days. The cancellation window is is different because they have such a, huge interest in people staying in an Ohio State Park mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during the uh, during that event. Yeah. It's going to be wild. So <laughs> I work downtown now mm-hmm. and I work for an agency that uh, deals a lot with moving people around. Yes. And so they have all sorts of plans for whenever, like the Cavs won the NBA championships a few years ago, there was a huge parade. And so there were contingency plans about dealing with that large crowd or that every year St. Patrick's Day parade is huge. And so there are plans in place for dealing with thousands of extra people in downtown Cleveland. And so I hadn't heard a whisper about this 
Our CEO is going around to all the different locations for our company and you could submit questions. And my question was, do we have a plan for April 8th? The Science Center Museum is anticipating they're doing a three day event. So each weekend day, they're anticipating between like five and eight thousand people. But they're anticipating 30,000 people downtown wow. on that Monday. And I'm like, do we have a plan? Because well, like that's. That's two blocks from here. Right. Well, and I, I mean, I even remember during the last one. It was nuts. It was, it was well, because we happened to be driving. Like it just, I think we had travel plans and we just happened to be in the car with my mom. I think we we're heading back from Missouri or something like that. We, so we just happened to be in the car and we were on the interstate and everybody pulled over to get out. Mm-hmm. So the interstate just stopped. Yeah. People just pulled off the road yeah. and pulled off of exits to like I said, the schools have all closed. I I have heard from a couple smaller businesses already that they're going to be closed. So I'm going to be right here. Well, I mean, I, I in my like backyard. we want to we experience it. Like, not right. only do we want to miss the crowds, but we want to participate. Yeah. So that's yeah. my my science thing that I'm really looking forward to. My, yeah. Yeah. My intention is to be at home. And away from everyone because why not? We're I mean we and it's I don't a coin to toss. It's Cleveland in April, so will we yeah. have cloud cover? But it'll still get dark. It'll still get dark, and hopefully that's a good point. Like, how much notice might we have that might be cloudy? And where else could we travel? Nowhere, nowhere. If you yeah. look again, the the science center like has a countdown. There, there and are then, there are six or seven up. There are there are several other. Nobody has a better chance of not having cloud cover than us though. Really? Yeah. It's just, it's April in, yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Like as it turns out, we have weather. <laughs> we do. We... Meteorologist Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I have to know what kind of clouds there I are. I <laughs> think, I think that's your next hobby. Once you clear out all the stuff, because you, as you mentioned, it's a little bit chaotic right now. It's a little bit chaotic right now. A lot you going need on yourself here. a green screen drop screen and you can practice giving your weather report. <laughs> and there's might still be that position open that I can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Who knows? But at the very least, I mean, you can maybe make your own little YouTube. Like this is this is what you look out for as a pilot series of weather videos on a green screen. I, do, I would watch. You would watch? I mean, it might be a heckle watch, but I would watch. <laughs> I do have a YouTube channel. It has seven subscribers. <laughs> I think I have three videos on there. Oh, so I've I, already, I already got the pieces in place, Carla. Well, so I don't really watch, but there exists a show, Big Bang Theory. I watched it like for a couple seasons and then kind of fell out of love with it. But um, that was always a big thing where... You had multiple people with PhDs who were quote unquote scientists, and then the one guy with quote unquote only a master's who was an engineer. Right. So, <laughs> and he got pooed on all he, the time. He did, but his... then he went to space. So, right. yeah. It, so that show, that show, they actually had a a number of science consultants to make mm-hmm. sure that they get things right. And one of those science consultants during the, I think it's over now. And I kind of I watched a bit of it. I was never super into it, but like one of their main science consultants ran a blog basically discussing the science behind the stuff they would put on like the chalkboards and the okay. background and things like that because they tried to make it very real and they would kind of dive into it. And it's kind of one of those like, it's almost like, you know, some TV shows will have like a companion podcast where the producers mm-hmm. talk about 
this was a blog that was kind of the same thing where okay. the science consultants talked about the. That actually sounds kind of interesting. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. Because there's that. a couple writers who are out there who were like science consultants for TV shows and things. And so. And I think that would be, I've often thought that would be another interesting thing to get into is to be some kind of a consultant for movies and TV shows. Because when it comes. Yeah. And I think almost any, I mean. Who, <laughs> I, I know that Rob always wants to correct any hacking scene that he ever sees. Yeah, same culture. here. Or I, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast when all these people are in a data center with servers with flashing lights behind them and they're mm-hmm. talking and having a normal conversation. It's like <laughs> 90 dB in there. It's loud in there. They would be shouting at each right, other because right. the fans and the heat, the HVAC system are very loud. Yeah. Um, nobody's asked me. And uh, no. it's not good TV to have people yelling you no. Um, oh, that's one thing I did appreciate. sacrifice realism for art. Yeah. That's one thing I did appreciate about Archer is they would sometimes oh. make fun of like, yeah, you, know, you fire a gun. It's like, oh my God, my ears are... Meep, meep, meep. But no, that would be interesting because who, what professional hasn't watched a television show and seen their pre- profession represented and thought that's not exactly accurate. Right. Or that's wildly inaccurate. Right, exactly. Like, so... I don't know how you get into that. How do you fall into being a consultant for a TV show for your specific field? I think good SEO would be vital. Most people, I don't know a lot of people in that industry, but a lot of people just kind of fall into it. Like you mentioned the Big Bang Theory and Mm -hmm. there was a spinoff of that show called Young Sheldon, Mm -hmm. which I've never seen a single episode of. I haven't either. But, you know, I collect old computers and I'm a member of several Facebook groups and subreddits and mm-hmm. forums and stuff like that of people who have similar interests. And one of them was approached to essentially build young Sheldon's computer setup, yeah. like something appropriate for that era. So well, we've got, you the, know, location I, scouts. Somebody Google, yeah, somebody Googled it and found them and just, yeah. you know, he ended up helping out with that. You got to get your vintage computer museum up and running and get it online. Get, so get some good SEO, SEO going it, yeah. and then people will be knocking on your door. Yeah. Virtually. Yeah. What other science stuff can we? I don't talk know. About? How like, are we doing on time, though? We're 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 getting up there. One last topic I can think of. Okay, hit me. We have really well. We've talked a bit about it with like TV shows, but is there a is there a piece of literature or a TV show or a movie or something that a recommendation that is science based? You know, it's classic and it's classic for a reason. I grew up in a house with no television. Well, with no cable television, we had. We had a TV. PBS Nova. Yeah. Right? Did that just what? like unlock a memory yes. in your brain no, right there? No, just in general. The, oh. Every topic they do is fascinating and well-researched and timely. Yeah. Like when something happens, they've got an episode about it. Like like with, when there's a new telescope launch or something like that. Like the new episode yeah. comes out within weeks, it yeah. seems like. I feel like so... With our like Disney Plus, it comes with like a National Geographic, and so every once in a while, I'll try mm-hmm. to watch them. And they're beautiful. It's just not the same. Like Nova felt like I was really learning, yeah. and Nat Geo feels like I am spectating. Being yeah, yes, no, I can wholeheartedly recommend Nova, and they've. I mean, that show's been around for decades. Yeah. So the back catalog was Carl Sagan ever involved he had his own show he had his own show which neil degrasse tyson did a remake cosmos. of cosmos yes i mean i i can't help but assume that he was involved in 
in some... Because he was so pure. (laughs) We miss you, Carl Sagan. (laughs) And we think about, uh, I mean, I think about the gold, I've talked about this in the past episode, I think about the golden record out yeah. there in the yeah, cosmos yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. I think that that's is your so cool. Roman Empire right there. Yeah. That's the golden record. Yeah. Um, and listen to our space episode if you want to hear some snippets at the in the oh, epilogue. Yeah, right. Or if you missed the epilogue, go back and re-listen because I did a whole He's thing staring at, the at me end. as he says that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never listen. I sometimes do. <laughs> did you listen to the epilogue of the space episode? I don't remember. Well, it was really good. You would remember. Okay. My recommendation, because we just finished this, is it's called Lessons in Chemistry, and I think it's based on a a book. book. Yeah, it's a super popular book. Yeah, well, the the TV show is excellent. Okay, you want to summarize the book because I think the movie. I haven't read it. Oh, so the 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 summary is a a female scientist in an era, probably like the I think like the fifties, sixties, where females were not in science fields. It's a great show. I'm not, I, I really can't talk too much about without it without spoiling, spoiling it, it but okay. it's a ride. It is an emotional What's roller it on? coaster. It's on Apple TV. Ah, yeah. Which I don't have. <laughs> yeah. It's not the, the, that the, and Ted Lasso. Mm. Yes. Ted Lasso is a good series. Lessons in chemistry. It's only eight episodes. It's like, and it's one and done. There's not going to be another yeah. series or whatever. Super, super good. Okay. Highly recommend it. Really enjoyed it. Hmm. We'll see. Okay. Let's see if I can figure out a way to access it. I'm out of yeah, science yeah, yeah, yeah. Topic. We're we're trying to keep it science and, my, and not science fiction. My adult beverage is just about finished. Yeah, this is you probably don't even a have good any time. ice anymore. Yeah, it's probably a pretty good time to close this. Out. Okay, we can do that. All right, I have been Matt, and I have been Carla, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>